It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Aha, ha, ha, ha. Yeah! What it do, baby? Hey, what's going on? And welcome to episode number 769 of Locked On Raptors 4. Friday, August the 21st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean, and you can find the show at LockedOnRaptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Today's podcast, of course, is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need at RockAuto.com. All right, on today's show, I'm going solo, and it is uh, currently in the fourth quarter of the Raptors and Nets game. Kyle Lowry just hit a disrespectful three to put the Raptors up 110-81. Mark Gasol in the previous possession threw a strange behind-the-shoulder pass to Fred Van Vliet for a three after a broken play and a weird sort of bounce pass, like a spike ball-looking pass from Pascal Siakam at the three-point line. This game is over, and so I'm going to do a podcast about it because, I should note, this is my last podcast before going on vacation for like 10 days, which I'm very excited about. Of course, Big V and Katie will be with you next week to take you through what looks to probably be a gameless week as the Raptors wait for the second round to get going. I can't imagine this series is going to extend past Sunday because for the third time in a row, it has been proven to be very much true that the Toronto Raptors are much better 
Then the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, as of right now, it's 113-82. Malcolm Miller just hit a three. Uh, the Raptors are going to win this game. They're going to go up 3-0 in a series for the first time in their franchise history, which is crazy. And this whole series has been a, for a bunch of firsts, really, for the Raptors. And that, you know, they go up 2-0. It's the first time they've had no worries ever in a first round series it's the first time that you know matt devlin has been at liberty to talk about his favorite sesame street characters in the middle of a game three of a raptors playoff series it's just been uh it's been a very new experience to have a raptors series where there's just no worries whatsoever it's the hakuna matata series and uh the raptors really making not very nice work of the brooklyn nets in game three on friday so far course uh, I guess there's three minutes for the Nets to turn this thing around but it's not going to happen uh, the Raptors are going to go up 3-0 and so we should dive into some of the things from this game that are worth talking about and worth noting and might have bigger meaning with all the understanding that a series like this against a team like this Nets team that just is not equipped for a playoff series let alone a playoff series against these Raptors oh you're only going to learn so much obviously but there are things to certainly take away from it so we'll get into that, and also, at the end of the show, I want to address the Masai Ujiri stuff, because that stuff has been floating out for the last couple days, haven't had an episode come out since the video of the police officer, whatever his name is, Officer Bullshit Strickland, uh, pushing Masai Ujiri uh, on the night of the NBA Finals clinching game in Game 6, so we'll get into that a little bit and just sort of vent a little, because it sucks, and it's very, very frustrating. So that's going to come up in the final segment of the show. Uh, but first, let's let's yeah let's dive into Game 3. The Raptors, uh, again, up right now 31 points as this game winds to a finish it really did not feel necessary to wait until the game was over to start recording the podcast as it stands right now the Raptors have the bench in they've cleared it out aside from Marc Gasol who closed out the game and we'll get to Marc Gasol maybe in the second segment as we talk about maybe some things that are still a little bit concerning but when it comes to things that were good and positive that you can take from this game I think number one you have to start with is Pascal Siakam who you know, has had his struggles. Obviously, he's been the source of a lot of takery and concern since the bubble began, not shooting terribly efficiently. Turnovers have been kind of a problem for him, and he's just not looked terribly sharp. He's looked a little bit frustrated on the offensive end, kind of settling short on the mid-range jump shot, all that stuff. This game was much different. This game, the Raptors kind of, I think, allowed Pascal to work through some things, which was a case, the case for a couple of guys in this game. They gave Marcus Saul some leeway in the first uh, quarter to kind of figure things out as well and get his shot going. Didn't quite work, which we'll get to again, but in the case of Siakam, he takes 23 shots in this game. He goes 11 to 23. He gets to the line four times, hits two of them, eight boards, five assists, plus 23 overall, 26 points to go along with eight boards and five assists. That is a nice game from Pascal. Probably the best we've seen him outside of maybe that Memphis game in the bubble restart the seeding games and to see it happen in the playoffs is always nice obviously it's the Nets and the Nets don't exactly have anybody who they can throw at Pascal and hope to have a prayer of guarding him but that was the case for games one and two and a lot of the case for a lot of the teams they played during the restart games as well and it didn't matter and Pascal really struggled and I think there's at least some signs over the last two games that Pascal's kind of figuring this thing out a little bit. Obviously, you don't want to jump to any conclusions and say, oh, Pascal has figured things out and he's back to his borderline all-NBA form from the regular season because that, you know, you don't know yet because he hasn't come across a real defense just yet because the Nets are very much not that. But to see him confident, he took a couple threes today, very much in rhythm, very confident, not sort of thinking about it, you know, the way that maybe we saw in crunch time of game two where he had that wide open three that he could have taken, passed to the corner for OG late in the clock kind of put OG in a difficult position with that pass and ended up being a lost possession 
And I think Pascal just looked a lot more confident taking his threes today. And the most encouraging thing is he looked confident just taking dudes off the bounce. And he, you know, would put that floater up, that push shot that's been so successful for him over the course of his entire career. I was really going today. And the fact that he had five assists to go along with just two turnovers is always a positive sign as well. So there seemed to be a bit of comfort there for Siakam that hasn't quite existed over the last few games or even dating back to when the bubble began nearly a month ago now. But uh, some nice positive signs. And if you look on balance over the last you know two games outside of the second half against the Nets he has been very good pretty much all the way through and obviously his defense has remained excellent uh, pretty much at all times ever since the bubble began he continues to be probably the most menacing corner three-point challenger in the entire league and he's been getting out for leakouts and stuff like that forcing steals uh, he had one steal in this game but he's kind of got his hands everywhere all the time and so I'm pretty encouraged by what we saw from Pascal Siakam in this game good to see and hopefully he can continue that in game four against the Nets, which might be his last tune-up until they get to some real teams in the next round. Another guy who's worth mentioning, obviously, in terms of the positives is Fred Van Vliet. I mean, my God, he continues to be unbelievable. 22 points in this game, 6 of 10 from 3. The pull-up game, look, maybe I'm just misremembering because it was so long since last we saw the Raptors before the bubble, but it really feels like Fred's pull-up game has gotten just infinitely better and he seems so confident in it now he's got that rainbow action to it where he can have a big on him he doesn't really seem to care it's like okay Jared Allen's got a foot on me I'm just gonna arc it over his head and it's gonna be a bucket and it just it's a really sort of big ball shot at this point for Fred Van Vliet it's been a blast to watch him kind of get more comfortable as the guy with the ball in his hands obviously I think I'll still prefer in crunch time situations to still have Kyle with the ball in his hands just because I trust him a little bit more he's a bit more dynamic in terms of getting to the rim and finishing around the basket as good as Fred's been that's still always going to be a concern for me considering he's barely six feet tall and has always kind of had some trouble around the rim although in fairness his finishes have had have had far more English on them during the bubble it's been a lot more creative a lot more crafty around the basket for him as well so maybe that's something he's worked on too it's all very exciting with Fred when it comes to late in games, I still, like I said, I think I would rather Kyle have the ball in his hands, but it's really nice that you can just have Kyle chill, and, you know, Kyle plays 35 minutes in this game, doesn't have to do a whole lot, just three, seven shot attempts, goes three of seven, two of five from deep, ten boards, seven assists, three steals, a block, a couple assists for Terrence Davis, which was kind of encouraging in the fourth quarter of this one as well, uh, which I can get to after the, after the break as well, but it just, I, I think... It's just you have to have a lot of confidence right now what the Raptors have in the backcourt. Considering Fred has made these strides and, and continues to look to be a guy who's going to be very much worth all of the money, the Raptors are certainly going to have to pony up to match whatever other teams are going to want to throw at him. Uh, I, I've become more and more confident by the day that whatever that number is, whether it's $25 million, whether it's $28 million, obviously, you know, things can get out of hand pretty quickly, but considering the uncertain nature of the salary cap, considering, you know, teams not maybe having as much cap space as they were originally going to anyway, I think it's uh, pretty safe to say that whatever a team is going to be able to levy Fred Van Vliet's way in terms of a contract offer, the Raptors are going to feel quite comfortable matching because he has been absolutely awesome, and as was pointed out by uh, the wonderful Anna Jane Smith on Twitter, probably the second best player on the Raptors right now as good as Pascal is and as good as much as I think Pascal when he's on is the second best or even the best player on the team at sometimes 
I, I think Fred has really kind of leveled up, and he is right below Lowry in the hierarchy right now, and that works for me because he is awesome, and it's been a blast to watch him kind of take that next step as a player during this bubble. It's kind of you're seeing this with a lot of guys around the league. It's you get that little off season that's not an off season, but it is, and you you see some just different wrinkles added. And Fred's been amazing, great to see. Uh, the game is just finished, by the way, one seventeen ninety two. We'll continue talking about this game. We'll dive into Marcus Saul. We'll dive into the bench a little bit and sort of the rotation questions that now continue to arise as uh, Ronda Hellish Jefferson dealt with an injury today. Doesn't seem to be too serious, but still worth talking about because he is currently the eighth man in the rotation, although maybe Terrence Davis has challenged that just a little bit with his play in game three. We'll get to that and a whole bunch more in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about rockauto.com, which for a car idiot like me is a perfect site to have come along at a wonderful time. And look, it's been around for a very long time. Rock Auto has been a family business for 20 plus years serving auto parts customers online. I was just introduced to them when they came on with us as a sponsor of the podcast, and they are so wonderful. They help you find all the car parts you need, and it's going to be cheaper. Mechanics like to upsell you. Mechanics like to take you and assume that you know nothing about cars, which I don't know anything about cars, so they're right to assume, and they're going to try to take you for more than your parts are worth. They've got everything at rockauto.com from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets from hundreds of manufacturers. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog as well is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand spe- uh, specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so we'll continue talking about Game 3 here. I want to talk a little bit about the bench. I want to talk about Marcus Saul, But I think we should probably also talk about the news that came down just after Game 2 that affected this game very much. Joe Harris, not available for the Nets, left the bubble for a non-medical personal reason. And that, I think, was kind of the death knell for the Nets having any chance in this series. You know, the Nets play this very high-variance style of basketball where they don't have a ton of talent, and they compensate for that by just firing a zillion threes, hoping a bunch go in. And Joe Harris is their best three-point shooter. He's the guy that makes that strategy the most likely to succeed. And when he's not there, there's just not a lot of shooting on this team that you really are scared of. Garrett Temple in this game goes one of nine from deep. Tyler Johnson goes five of nine from deep, who he's the best player on the team from three in this game. And when Tyler Johnson is coming in and having to be your savior from three, that's a bad sign. You've got Timothy Luwabu Cabarro, who in fairness to him has been great throughout this series and throughout the bubble. Two of 11 from three, a real almost Tobias Harris from downtown. Not very good from, from TLC. And then through the bench, there's just not a lot you're getting. You're getting Dazan and Musa coming in going 0 of three. You're getting uh, Justin Anderson, Raptors 905 alum coming in going one of 
before. And that's just a lot in life for the Nets. They don't have a lot of good players. They don't have a lot of good three-point shooters. And their best three-point shooter being out really cuts into their ability to variance up a game and, and stumble into a win the way the Nets like to do. And they, in this game, they take 51 threes. They go 16 of 51 overall. That's just not enough when the Raptors themselves are basically getting anything they want on the offensive end. The Raptors shoot 50% in this game. They go 47% from deep as well, 18 of 38. And when that happens, there's just no chance for the Nets to win the math game because they don't have good three-point shooters without Joe Harris. And that was very, very evident tonight. You know, even when you get a night from Karis LeVert, who goes three of six, I mean, he's not a good three-point shooter. Him going three of six, you would think would really help. And maybe if you have a Joe Harris instead of a Garrett Temple taking nine threes, maybe the math gets to be a point where like maybe the game doesn't get quite as out of hand as it did. Obviously not the case, and the Raptors uh, just win the math battle very, very easily and sufficiently in this one. And so without Joe Harris, I don't think the Nets stand a chance. And again, I don't think they stood a chance anyway. I picked the Raptors to sweep, but even to make this uh, an interesting sort of fun series with a lot of Game 2-style games where the Nets are, are hanging around and maybe have a chance in crunch time to swing a game, that's just not going to happen without Joe Harris. So I hope Joe Harris is okay. Obviously, it's the number one thing. Hopefully, his family's doing well and everything ends up working out for him. But there's just no way the Nets stand a chance of making this even interesting with Joe Harris on the sidelines. Um, on that note, I mean, the Raptors did a great job in this one. As much as the Nets are very happy to take a million shots from outside, they, they still just had no chance of getting to the basket in this game. And how often do you see you know the, the best opportunities for for threes come off of getting it into the paint and there and the Nets just didn't have that at all in this game um you know Marcus Saul Serge Ibaka doing a great job with the rim protection as always just 22 points in the paint for the Nets in this game as well as the Raptors kind of got their own little parade to the basket whenever they wanted it 46 points in the paint for them and then obviously 18 threes it's just the very prolific offensive night for the Raptors against the Nets team that defended quite well in game two but just did not have the juice to slow down the Raptors in this one unfortunately a couple things in sort of rotation notes to keep in mind here. Marc Gasol, again, uh, plays fewer minutes than Serge Ibaka, which I, I, I've got to think that there's got to be something that's behind the idea of, of Gasol not playing a ton. I mean, he didn't deserve to play more than the 17 minutes he played in Game 2. That was just a bad game from him, you know, from the start. And he just looked out of sorts, and it was actually to the benefit of the Raptors for him not to play in that one, considering he was a minus 13 in his seven minutes, 17 minutes. In this one, he was a plus 16. He looked good, uh, defensively at least. He had six assists as well. Just one of seven from the field, one of four from three. Going to need that shooting to be much better against better teams and better half-court defenses that are going to beg Marc Gasol to take threes when you get to deeper rounds of the postseason. But I am I just wonder if maybe they're kind of holding him back minutes-wise against a team like the Nets because what's the risk? What, what's, what's the point in the risk of playing your 35-year-old defensive anchor against a team that really doesn't require you to have a defensive anchor? Serge Ibaka was able to get going in this game and you know looked really good as well, and I, I think it's it bodes well for the Raptors long-term if they are looking at this series as a way to kind of get Ibaka back up to where he should be, considering he was a little bit stop and start during the bubble games. He goes 20 and 13 in this game, seems to be right back where he was pretty much all season long as a super reliable off-the-bench contributor, and maybe you just assume Gasol is going to be able to figure out 
about his stuff once um, you get into real games against real teams. And I guess that's a, a bet. Maybe that's going on here. It just it seems weird to me that they're not playing him a ton just because he is so valuable. But I think there's probably something to it in that why risk it when you don't absolutely need him and you want to save his 36-year-old legs, 35-year-old legs for Boston and Milwaukee and all those other teams. Um, another rotation thing to note is that with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson out of this game, I believe with a knee injury, uh, Terrence Davis played 17 minutes, but a lot of that in the fourth quarter, and he had some good sort of simpatico going on with Kyle Lowry, uh, as everyone does with Kyle Lowry. He was amazing at setting up Davis, had a couple beautiful passes, and Davis seemed to kind of get going. He was 4-5 or five in this game, had one of his like irrational confidence threes from the corner as well, if I recall, that was just like, oh yeah, that's the three Terrence Davis likes to take. Um, he was a plus 15 in his 17 minutes as well, and finished with nine points. And I, I you know, I think I've made my feelings clear on Terrence Davis. I think he's the eighth best player on this team. I think he's better than Ronda Hellas Jefferson, and I, I would rather just give those front court minutes to Siakam and OG and sort of mix them around in the front court and have Terrence Davis fill in as the fourth guard. But, um, you know, I'm sure all these questions are kind of flowing through Nick Nurse's head. And honestly, we'll probably just see a mix of Davis, Thomas, Hollis Jefferson, sometimes Boucher against various teams. I, I think it's kind of been put to bed the idea of there being an actual eighth man on this team. I just thought it was worth noting that Terrence Davis had a nice game as the eighth man for this team in this one and maybe claws himself a little bit out of the doghouse that it seems like he's been in ever since the bubble began. Uh, maybe for off-court reasons, I'm not sure. But yeah, nine points, two boards, three assists, four or five shooting, a nice tidy game from Terrence Davis. Exactly what you want to see from a scorer off the bench. Speaking of which, Norm Powell, again, very, very good. 11 points, four boards, two assists, four of eight from the field, two of four from downtown. He is uh, excellent and got to love having him come off the bench as well. And that's kind of it. It's like you want to have takes and grand conclusions, but it's not like a game where you win by 25 over the Nets and you never are really in danger. It seemed like the entire game the Nets were you know, kind of, you know, making a punch and, oh yeah, we're back within 11 and then the Raptors go on a run and it's, you know, 18 again. From a game like that, there's not a whole lot to really draw. I think we know exactly what this matchup is all about. This is exhibit three of the Raptors just being infinitely better than the Nets. And I'm glad to see them taking care of business because that, that extra rest, I'm sure will be helpful considering the very compressed schedule. Obviously there's no travel right now, so that's certainly helping things. But if you can get a couple extra days uh, of lead time on say the Celtics, if the Celtics can't sweep the, the Sixers, which they very well could because the Sixers are an embarrassing, sad sack team. Um, but any extra rest, I think will be helpful. And it's weird to be thinking about the Raptors earning extra or extra rest out of the first round. This never happens. <laughs> it's always difficult. It's always harder than it needs to be. It seems to be the Raptors are just like, Hey, no, we're not screwing around with this. And, uh, I would fully expect this series to be over on Sunday with game four. Uh, I'm not going to be talking about that game because I am on vacation at the end of this podcast. Anyway, I'm going to finish up my last show before going on vacation in just a second. I'm going to talk about Masai Ujiri to close things out. But first, I want to tell you about DoorDash. Look, you have so many things to worry about right now from the pandemic to your kids going back to school to working from home and managing that and balancing how that all works out. Why not just not worry about dinner? DoorDash can help you do that. DoorDash is the app that brings you food that you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. You just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless 
contact list delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national chains as well, like Chipotle, Wendy's, The Cheesecake Factory, and more. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left right at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities that they operate in safe right now our listeners can get five dollars off and zero delivery fees on their first order of fifteen dollars or more when you download the doordash app and enter the promo code locked on nba that's five dollars off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the doordash app in the app store and enter code locked on nba all one word don't forget that's code locked on nba for five dollars off of your first order with doordash The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so since last I was on this podcast, we uh, had some news drop as it pertains to Masai Ujiri's ongoing legal dispute with the Alameda County Police Department after the uh, bullshit that took place on the night the Raptors clinched the championship as he was pushed by a police officer, accused of pushing the police officer. There's been a lawsuit filed by the police officer against Masai Ujiri, which uh, always felt very blatantly like a bullshit cash grab and a grift. Obviously, that it was, the entire circumstance around that was insane. If you are the guy who was tasked with working courtside at the NBA Finals, maybe you should know exactly who it is are the major players with the play, with the teams and, and those involved. Maybe you should know exactly who Masai Ujiri is. I don't know. That's just an idea. If you want to be not terrible at your job, that's one thing. Um, you know, the way that that evening robbed Masai Ujiri of celebrating properly what should have been the most exciting night of his professional life he wins the freaking nba championship something he's been working for something he promised to the city and instead you saw the the photo and the video of kyle lowry reaching for him and hugging him and just the look of utter distraction and fear and shock on the face of masai ujiri right after that right before he's about to go on stage to lift the freaking championship trophy all of that just tainted by this extremely selfish extremely power tripping cop in Oakland and it just it was stinky from the very beginning and the the cop throwing out a lawsuit saying that he had suffered mental and physical damage like get the hell out of here all the way and all of that feeling is vindicated by the video that came out this week and look man this is one of the most upsetting videos I've ever seen because you can just see the misunderstanding of what the hell is going on in the face of Masai. And he's just like, what? what is happening right now? He's there in the video. He clearly has his credential in his hand. He clearly says, I'm the president of the Raptors. He's got his credential out. And the cop throws two pushes towards Masai before ever asking any sort of question or anything like that. It's just absurd. And there are so many things about this that are upsetting. And one of the big things, too, is to think about what this cop does in his own time when he doesn't have 20,000 witnesses. And think of the impunity with which that guy probably thinks he can operate, considering what he did with 20,000 witnesses and someone who came across him who very clearly was profiled by this officer. And no, you're not allowed on this floor. You're black, basically, is how this comes across. 
Um, obviously, the the video it, it's just it's very upsetting. It's infuriating infuriating to watch. It was nice to see the Raptors come out with a strong statement in support of Masai. It was awful to see the Alameda Department throw out a statement saying, "Oh, we still stand behind Officer Strickland. Don't believe what the lawyers say, even though what the lawyers are saying is just literally a body cam video that was dug up in Discovery and, and brought out and, and put out to to everybody in the public. Like it, it's just it's so exhausting because you see." This is such a microcosm of everything we've been talking about for the last four months and the impunity with which the police departments of North America operate and feeling as though everything again, everything that they do is, you know, somehow untouchable and that they just get to go walk around and be the arbiters of who gets to live and who gets to die and walking around as though they are playing God, basically, like they are the most powerful people in society and things have been rigged in their favor for far too long. And we're seeing this played out with Masai Ujiri. And, you know, my hope is that with something like this, obviously there are no silver linings to pull from it whatsoever. It's completely bullshit that it's even taking place. I feel horrible for Masai. I feel so bad that 14 months later he's still dealing with all of this and figures to be dealing with this for a long time to come because the judicial system takes forever and there's appeals and all this crap. Like, it's going to take forever for this to finally be ironed out, especially if you still have the, the officer and the police department. An officer, by the way, makes 224 k a year and has been on leave ever since this took place getting paid. Um, you know, completely lack of accountability, lack of consequences for stuff. And that's, again, the story that we're talking about here, the lack of accountability, the lack of any sort of check and balance on the power of police departments. And again, there's no silver linings with all this because the fact that it, that it happened is awful and sucks and there's just no good way to spin it. But my hope is that maybe if you're someone who's been on the fence about everything that's going on, for some reason, the idea of defunding the police, the messaging, to, the messaging hasn't gotten across to you. You don't understand what it means. You haven't decided to take the time to read into what it means. My hope is that if you're a Raptors fan and you have this personal connection to Masai Ujiri, he's the guy that built the team that brought the championship to the city. Maybe that'll be enough. Maybe it requires somebody who you know. If you are so slow to get on board and understand exactly what all these protests and what this social movement has been about, hopefully this will be the final thing that makes you realize, oh, yeah, no, uh, this is something that's a problem and it is a problem that does not sort of evade anybody it's a problem that rich celebrities are are able to come across as well as we've seen in the nba with like sterling brown and thabo cephalosha as well the, this the fact that economic status might play that just doesn't the economic status doesn't matter with all of this it, it you, you are as a black person in north america always at more risk of being profiled potentially killed by police and I'm glad that Masai himself came out and said exactly that much. And hopefully, you know, you can look at Masai's statement, which I'm going to read in a second, and hopefully sort of look at that as Masai working to spin this into something positive as well, which I would expect nothing less because Masai is a wonderful dude who constantly is thinking about and doing the right things. Here's Masai's statement. Uh, quote, Thank you to everybody who expressed disappointment and concern regarding the video that was recently released. My family and I are deeply grateful for your care and consideration. The video sadly demonstrates how horribly I was treated by a law enforcement officer last year in the, in the midst of my team, the Toronto Raptors, winning its first world championship. It was an exhilarating moment of, of achievement for our organization, for our players, for our cities, for our country, and for me personally, given my long-tenured professional journey in the NBA. Yet, unfortunately, I was reminded in that moment that despite 
despite all of my hard work and success, there are some people, including those who are supposed to protect us, who will always and only see me as something that is unworthy of respectful engagement. And there's only one indisputable reason why that is the case, because I am black. What saddens me most about this ordeal is that the only reason why I'm getting the justice I deserve in this moment is because of my success. Because I'm the president of an NBA team, I had access to resources that have ensured that I could demand and fight for my justice. So many of my brothers and sisters haven't have, haven't had, don't have, and won't have the same access to resources that assured my justice. That's why Black Lives Matter. And that's why it's important for all of us to keep demanding justice. Justice for George, justice for Brianna, justice for Elijah, justice for far too many black lives that mattered, and justice for black people around the world who need our voice and our compassion to save their lives. Those are the ties that bind us with love and determination, Masai Ujiri, end quote. <laughs> Very powerful stuff from Masai, obviously. And again, glad to see that he's hopefully using this as an opportunity to continue furthering the messaging and continuing to spin this conversation forward and apply what happened to him to everyday regular people who, as he mentioned, don't have the same resources at his disposal. Most people don't have the chance to go and fight fire with fire and go up against a police department, which, again, just so much power and entrenched power because of the way things have been set up for decades and centuries in, in America and in North America. The fact that Masai happens to have the means to, to go up against that department and, and fight for his justice properly as opposed to just kind of having to deal with it and move on, it, it is nice. It's, it's encouraging that he's using this platform because... It's just he shouldn't have to. It really, this should not be something. It shouldn't be something that's happening. But if it, if again, if there's a silver lining at all from all of this, it's that Masai is the kind of person who is going to take this and turn it into something positive. Because that's just kind of the dude he is. That's the way he's wired. That's the way he thinks about things. And ultimately, defund the police. Look into what that means. If you're unsure about the messaging, hey, what that that sounds very drastic. It's really not. It's a matter of funneling money from overfunded police departments that don't do what they're said to do and putting it into communities and ensuring that power does not only reside in police officers, that communities have power to police themselves and to avoid having run-ins with police officers in which for minority communities it is almost always a combative interaction just because of the way things have been set up and the structures that are in place for the last however many years, decades, centuries. It's just, it's so long-standing. And again, go and read about this stuff because it really is eye-opening if you just take the time. If you have not yet, hopefully this is the thing that inspires you to do it. So do the research. Look up where you can donate your time and energy and your money potentially as well. Uh, not Another Black Life does amazing work Work at Not Another BLK on Twitter. They have great resources as well. Uh, Raptors Media have been tweeting out a lot of different links to this type of thing as well over the last couple of weeks. Please go consider uh, either throwing some money somewhere or just reading up on things because the Masai Ujiri incident is the exact example. It's a grand microcosm of the the problem at hand and the problem that we've been discussing for the last few months here in, in real sort of uncomfortable terms. And I'm hoping 
that this continues to push the conversation forward and helping ensure that someone who is not of the status of Maasai is not victim to a similar and perhaps and almost always more dangerous interaction with law enforcement. So that's all I have for today. I'm going to leave you on that note for a couple weeks now. I'm going to be back on September 1st with my next episode. Uh, between now and then, Katie and Vivek are going to do an amazing job filling in, as they have over the course of the last couple weeks for a couple days a week. They are just so wonderful, and I hope you are giving your full support to Vivek and Katie as they uh, get their feet wet as full-time hosts of the show. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been uh, wonderful talking to you. I hope you enjoy the rest of the series against the Nets. Hope you enjoy whatever the beginning of the next series series is and i'm sure i'll be jumping in somewhere in the middle of the second round most likely against the boston celtics barring some insane shake milton outburst over the next couple weeks uh either way thank you so much for tuning in and we will talk to you again uh i'll talk to you again on september 1st but Vec and katie will be back with you again on monday with another episode of locked on raptors Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.